My name is Saeed Saeed from the National Sarsen Lifestyle Desk. Hugh Mesakela died on Tuesday. The South African jazz musician passed away after a near 10-year battle with prostate cancer. He was 78. I had the pleasure of talking with the legendary trumpeter in 2014 in the Moroccan capital of Rabat after his performance as part of the Mawazine Festival. He was quieter and reflective when we meet for our scheduled midnight chat backstage. I quickly realized that this wasn't going to be a standard interview, so I mentally threw away my questions and went with whatever was on Masakela's mind, which, as it turned out, was a lot of things. Over a space of 20 or so minutes, we covered all sorts of topics from his childhood, the creatively fertile period of the 1960s, and his friendship with the late South African leader and fellow activist Nelson Mandela. Here is an edited version of our interview. I hope you enjoy it. Well, talking about the music, last year um, you released your album Friends. Um, like it, it's Friends, right? The yeah. title was. Yeah, yeah, was, was yep, yeah, yeah, in the house, yeah, yep, in your own label. Was it, 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 yeah, yeah, the house of Masikela. That's right. We have a new one also with this group called um, Playing at Work. What, has, has it come out yet? Or has it yeah, come? it's come out. It just came out early this year. Okay, great. Well, yeah, I mean. It's called Playing at Work. Looking back at looking back at, at at friends and playing at work, are you happy with the way it's been received? Well, you don't you know you make a record then you don't monitor it. Mm, mm. Sometimes you, the last one we made before that was nominated for uh, friends. Uh, uh, no, before that we had one called Jabulani. Yeah, um, and um, that was a celebration of South African wedding songs. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know even like when then it was nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. <laughs> so you re- no, you never really know. We, we know we're not in the strata, you know, of uh, uh, big sellers. Yeah. And um, the, the, that kind of business doesn't exist anymore. Sure. Sure. So um, uh, many records get either discovered or not. And like, what we're working on now is doing some. Visuals, some sure. videos, because um, when people don't see you, you're not there. In terms, of, in terms of the new album, playing with um, the new album with the band. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this album? Well, it's just uh, we, we, we was, it's the first album we've made with this band. This mm. band we've been together almost five years now. Mm. I mean, I've known the percussionists for 40 years. We've been playing together. Yeah, from Sierra bass, Leone. Yeah, yeah. And the bass player. Of, uh, yeah, I met him when I lived in West Africa in the 70s, mm-hmm. early 70s. And the bass player I met uh, when I first came back home in 1990. Sure. Uh, but the other uh, guys are uh, um, young guys, yeah. you know, and, and uh, they've been with us about five years almost. Is it is it all is it all original compositions with the band, or is it, or is it the, in terms of the new album? Is it more? Is it Original composition. Uh, some of them are original. Some are by South, other South African composers. Mm. And we have a Bob Dylan song in yeah. it, and, and a Bob Marley song. In fact, we have the Bob Dylan one. Um, it's, you, it's all over now, Baby Blue. We have a, a video on that one. What did you? Why did you pick that song? It's a beautiful. I've song. I've always loved it. I've loved it from when it first came out in the sixties. Yeah. But I've always been a Dylan fan. I've, I've done a lot of covers of a lot of songs. I had a hit. Uh, we had a hit with in 1967 with Up Up and Away. Up, we did, Up and Away. Yeah. We did it in a live um, recording at the Whiskey Agogo, and it went to number 13 on the charts. Yeah. But those were the days of like you know um, 
anything, uh, anything goes. There was no real tight or strict margin. What attracts you, like, in terms of like, you know, what attracts you to when you pick a cover? I mean, I, is it about the way it makes you feel or the melody? Or like, you know, what, what are some, what are some of the key things that you know that? Well, that uh, uh, I've been a musician since I was a child, and I grew up. I grew up in a time of. Um, I mean, I've been a musician for 70 years. But when I started playing piano when I was four years old, I was already um, a, a master record collector because I knew all the records on the gramophone. Yeah. And uh, um, there were no categories in those days. Some some of the songs were cowboy songs. Some of the songs were by Louis Armstrong. Some were by Glenn Miller. Some by Count Basie. Some by Louis Jordan. Uh, some by the Andrew Sisters, the Mills Brothers, the A Sports. Bing Crosby, you know, and we just like, you know, we just sang along. Everybody played them on their front porches or their scoops. And you didn't think about, uh, you know, you either liked it or you don't. And I still like look at music from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, uh, like I just picked up five, rec- I listened to a lot of record, rec- you know, like on the radio and I said, like, play. But there's a guy who just knocked me out, his name is Kasri. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it does like spiritual mm. like Moroccan music. Mm. And it's just so beautiful, you know, and then if you go up to my house you'll find um, music from Bulgaria, you'll find Ravi Shankar, you'll find all yeah. the jazz musicians, you'll find all the pop musicians, everything from Motown. Yeah. I just I just love music. You said that you, you And then some song will just hit me and I'll I'll, I'll be like, ah. and I'll ask the band man, what do you think about this song guys and then you say, oh, no, it's nice. Let's see how you feel it, and then we do it. You mentioned you, about piano first. I mean, did it all begin with you with the keyboards first before it the began, trumpets? It began with the gramophone. The gramophone. And I was just singing all the time, nonstop. And my parents, you know, my my mother always used to whisper to her friends when uh, they came for you know for tea. I'd be helping and I'd be singing. I was little, you know, and she said, "You hear, I'll sing soon." And she's worried, she'll say, oh, I'm so worried, my child is always singing, always singing. And I think one of her friends said, well, maybe you should get him piano lessons. And so they got me piano lessons, and I took to it like um, a duck to order. And then like 10 years later, I saw a movie about a trumpet player. The Kirk Douglas song. Yeah, right. The Kirk like, Douglas, yeah. And I was already a musician, and I got a trumpet, and a month later I was playing little songs on the thing. and. Uh, uh, so, uh, um, I've just, I was bewitched by music, and I don't want to get healed. I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing with the trumpet, the, I mean, what was it that, that it, 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 what was it about the trumpet that made you, that, that, that made you kind of stick with it? Is it, is it, is it, it was the sound, it was the sound. Um, on the movie I saw Harry James played the soundtrack, yeah. and Harry James had one of the most beautiful tones. And uh, I mean, you could make you cry when he played a, a slow song. Mm. And uh, uh, also, uh, I loved uh, Louis Armstrong from you know, we, when, when we were children. We didn't know what we were saying. And on Friends, we do two Louis, two Louis Armstrong songs. And uh, really, if it wasn't for Louis Armstrong, we wouldn't be there. I just, I just always enjoyed people who were entertaining people made them feel good and uh, the trumpet always seemed to be the one in the bands 
He always stood in front of everybody to take the solos. And yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. It's a very flamboyant instrument, isn't it? It's loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's loud, but it can sound very beautiful too, and it, it attracts atten attention. Yeah. Not those days when we up, 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 up away and grazing the grass, like, you know, I mean, those days, like, you know, when, I mean, was it very fast? Because when I read about those days and your success at that time, was it very fast moving? Was, was everything kind of at the blink of an eye? Or look, looking back at it, how, I mean, how, everything how was joyous. It was the most. It was the most wonderful. The sixties was the most wonderful time in the history of human beings. It was when they were the most generous and the most relaxed, and also at their highest. You know, I mean, the, that's a very creative time as well. I mean, the, the, the yeah, it was it was a time of love. I mean, it scared the establishment, so like they, you know, they put a stop to it. But Nixon came in and said, "Oh no, no, this is <laughs> too much happy." So during that time, you were in the states. You were living in the states at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. I went. To, I came to the states in 1960 when Nixon and. Kennedy were campaigning. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, you know, and, and creatively, it was a very kind of fertile time, right? Oh, it was a time when I mean, in one night you could see uh, Dizzy Gillespie and Louis Armstrong, or Dick Ellington, Count Basie, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah, Carmen McRae, Horace Silver, Charlie Mingus, Max Roach, all in one night. You, know, you can go from club to club. You know, some people like you know. Somebody, somebody, when people look at your career. It was also the time, the beginning of R&B was really yeah, beginning right. to grow. That's right, the seas were there. Yeah, and you could go to the Apollo and for one dollar sit for 12 hours and, and see the Ray Charles review uh, you know, three or four or five times, and or see the Motown review, or see the James Brown review, or the Gospel review, or the Salsa review. Was that very, or, was that, I mean, looking back at that time, I mean, was, was that time in the States, I mean, was it very important, I mean, in a sense? It was like, a golden age of music because uh, um, you heard everybody, you, could, you, you heard your records. And you that, could go and see the people whose records you heard, you could see them every night, everywhere, and it was cheap, and when you were a student, it was free. And that moved from South Africa to, um, to, um, to America. I mean, that made, all, that, that made all the difference in your career, isn't it? Like moving, like... I didn't have a career. I went as a student as a to student. the States, yeah. That's right. I was brought to the States by Miriam Makeba and Harry Belafonte. Mm -hmm. Miriam Makeba told Harry Belafonte, there's this young guy, I'd like to help him, he's doing, he's good music. Mm -hmm. And so I had to vindicate their belief in me, but uh, a lot of other people, you know, Dizzy Gillespie, Miles, a, lot, a, whole, a lot of people helped me once I was there. I've been helped by people from the time I was a little kid because I was just so obsessed with music. People sometimes look at your career and they say, I mean, he's a, they say look, there's a lot of joy to your music. There's, I mean, there's a lot of feeling. Some also, some, some also people they, they categorize as well as political. I mean, I mean, when you say like this term as a well, anybody, anybody who is not affected by politics mm. has got their their head in the sand. But if you came from South Africa, I mean, during apartheid... You had to, right? I mean, like... Uh, you grew up at rallies, you grew up at boycotts, you grew up at marches, you, you witnessed massacres. I mean, uh, you grew up in Eritrea, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. You, yeah. know, you grew up around it, so uh, uh, you can't say... 
I think the funniest thing in the world for me is like how they pressure sports people not to get involved in politics. So when I look at them, I say, you know, it's amazing that like you're not affected by politics. It doesn't touch your life. Isn't it strange? And they look at you like, but when you but it, when you get into sports, they 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 school you in the sports grooming places from when you're little. Like, just look at the goal, you know. Uh, fortunately, with music, it's a universal. It's not a competitive thing, and it's a universal thing, and it takes you all over the world. But there's such a like the thing is you you've seen and you grew up in a very like you know that time was very grim, but you've but you managed to create very joyous music from that. Was your music a way to make sense of that grimness? I come or, or from a country heal? of joyful music. Hmm. In fact, we lost the country because when we first were fighting for it in the 400 years ago we used to sing before we attacked or 200 years ago so the enemy always knew where we were they listened to a few songs and then but at the same time it was also like music was a great catalyst and, and, and for change and for the world to recognize me i think the, the most difficult thing for me is being a human being being a member of the human race that for me is the most difficult thing in life because um, human beings historically and forever have been just at each other's throats from ever since they were put on earth. Is it tough to maintain the optimism? Is it tough to maintain your faith in human beings? Well, you know, I grew up, I was homeschooled. My parents were like ex-school teachers. My father was a sculptor, I helped inspector, my mother was a social worker. And they taught us to read, 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 read. So I'm highly educated, and the one thing I cannot ignore is how badly human beings have behaved to each other ever since they were put here. And uh, uh, um, there's, there's some days when I watch television and I just cry at what human beings are doing to each other. We are um, a very destructive species. So like I say, at the same time we have so much chance for, you know, for being gifted. But uh, as a species, we are bad, man. We are, we are the most destructive species in the universe. And like from where I looked at, look at it, we in a few maybe a centuries or so, we're gonna self-destruct because there's no way the, the nature is gonna allow us to go on. And we we are a very small part of nature. And the thing about that, also like you know. We've, we're also losing. We're also sadly losing some of our best, greatest role models. I mean, with Mandela. Never mind that. We're losing the water. <laughs> we're losing the air. There's towns and cities in the world where they can't breathe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Many cities where they can't breathe. We've polluted the earth. We've messed up anything that we've been given. In terms of like, in terms of your career, uh, in terms of your career as well. I mean. Your friendship, your friendship with the late great Nelson Mandela. Can you tell us a little bit about that? About you know about about, about your relationship with family friend. You know, my sister uh, was his um, chief of staff from when he came out of jail until he went to your sister yeah. until he became president. Mm. And uh, um, um, Winnie Mandela trained under my mother as a social worker. So there were people that we knew from when we were kids. Was he a deeply musical man like yourself? We loved music, but he was a funny man. Yeah, he was a very, very funny man. <laughs> and you, you know, and, and you, he wanted, you always wanted to tell stories. You know, when, when, 
with him and say, you, uh, do you take naps? You know, I say, why? He said, well, you work very hard. You're not getting any yama. You must think about napping. And then you'd always like start your I'd say, why are you coming uh, with this? You know, we call him Tata, which is father. I said, why are you coming up with this? Says, because I am one of the leading experts on the art of napping in the whole wide world. <laughs> Yes, people look at me for politics. They don't know that I am actually an expert on napping. <laughs> and he said, hey, let me tell you about napping. If you go and lie down, that is not napping. That is sleeping. Napping is when you wake up and you realize you've been asleep. That is a nap, my friend. <laughs> so he liked to tell silly stories like that. Then he'd go up and say, the best nap is when you're in a pet train or a bus and you're hanging on to the strap and the people wake you up at your stop. That, you can't beat that. That is the best nap you can. <laughs> so, you know, he has stories all the time. And I, 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 we all, those who know him, we know him from that perspective, you know, and he didn't want to be what he has been made into. Mm. This kid is kind of same. He didn't want things to be named after him. I mean, he didn't mind it because uh, uh, after a while he realized he couldn't fight the tide. But he didn't want he didn't want to be deified. He wanted freedom for his people, but he didn't get the deal that was his dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all we got in South Africa was vote. Was the vote and non-harassment, you know. But but. Um, uh, uh, we don't own the country, my friend. Yeah. David, like, do you ever start thinking about your legacy? Look at our. I don't think, you know, I don't think about myself as as an important entity. I think of myself as a product of of amazing and 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 resilient people, you know, who who like withstood 400 years and came out. Uh, um, Fantastic, but we are human beings, you know. And um, uh, I think, I, th I think I'm part of of, of um, the legacy of that struggle, you know. I'm part of that. But to think of myself as being a, 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 an important entity is well. First of all, I wasn't raised like that. My grandmother promised that she'd throw lightning from um, uh, the grave uh, at me if I ever thought I was important. For uh, um, um, 17 years, I lived for free. They clothed me and everything, and they helped me with my music. And um, I, other than that, I've never been able to pay them. So if I don't tell that story first, wherever I am, uh, she's going to throw lightning at me. So I'm doing it for your protection as well. <laughs> and finally, and fi my final question, um, what are the plans for you for the rest of this year? Is it, is it, is it, is it lots of um, performances or are you going to go back yeah, and get... I perform, I perform a lot. I, I also, you know, on the side, I'm, I'm, I'm an author. I'm writing a novel. I'm writing the sequel to uh, uh, Still Grazing, which was uh, mm. uh, um, an autobiography. It ended up in 2002. I, I do theater. I have a theater company with other partners and, and we produce musicals and plays. And uh, I'm interested in television. I'm preparing a few television uh, um, epics, including uh, the story of Trevor Huddleston. With Archbishop Trevor. Yeah, yeah, as a TV series, you know, mini series. And uh, I'm going to be working on a lot of this. So, um, so in a way, you're giving and, back. Uh, and uh, and um, I am um, also. 
I'm working very hard on an institute, you know, that should be all over Africa because we are the only society that imitates other cultures. And when people think of us, Africans, they first think about the animals, the geographical sites, because we are not there, because Christi because like religion and politics and conquest and all that have convinced us that our heritage is backward and heathen and pagan and barbaric and primitive. And um, um, if we don't, if we're not careful, the next generations of Africans who are in their teens now, they won't even remember any African languages unless we do something about it. So like heritage restoration is my biggest obsession. You said, I guess in a, in a final way, you said that a lot of your career came because people helped you. Do you feel that this project now is you giving back and helping the I next generation? I think like that. I think more about my concerns. And then, you know, the only uh, hopes and positiveness I have is, is I come from uh, an African people who have more diverse uh, a content than any other society, but it's invisible, you know. And to a certain extent, that could be maybe something if it became visible uh, that could help us as Africans to like rethink where we're going. And maybe, maybe uh, that could help the world because they say the world started in Africa. That's right. <laughs>